Hello and good evening everybody, FPL Teacher here, finally, reviewing one of last season's top 6. Man United's ownership percentage now is starting to breach the 25% mark, so this is where people obviously owning the likes of Rashford after his 18-pointer against Arsenal last week, as well as Dalo and Jadon Sancho all starring with 6% each. Now, we are starting to look at the alternatives to the top 3 own of this particular side. We will look at why Man United have been doing well, how they transitioned from a poor start to the 4-win streak that they are on right now, as well as assets in terms of how we can take advantage of their mixed bag of fixtures coming up. Here's the conundrum that United had at the start of the season before Ten Hag's appointment. If you have a million wingers on your team, subpar central midfielders and a centre forward who used to be a winger himself, what do you do? Number one, you bring a central midfielder slash attacking midfielder that can play wing at the same time. Number two, well, you make sure that these wingers fight for their spots. United's system largely revolved around the flair of their wingers in the past, so much to the extent that Rashford was deployed as a central striker. He thrived under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's reign, where they famously beat Man City, I think it was 2-0 or 2-1 at the Etihad, with a strikerless system. Not a false nine, just a strikerless system full of wingers, almost like a throwback to when Sir Alex Ferguson fielded seven defenders when they beat Arsenal 2-0 in the FA Cup victory. So, as much as we are excited at the appointments and the signings of the likes of Diego Dalo, Tyrone Malasia, Lisandro Martinez, and Co., really, the difference here is Christian Eriksen. In the first two game weeks, Christian Eriksen was deployed as a number 9, as well as perhaps part of the front three after substitutions were made. Clearly, it did not work out as there was no sense of possession in central midfield as well as deep midfield. United would struggle to cycle the ball out of goal kicks, where their fullbacks would constantly be pressured by the Brentford central midfielders or the Brighton forwards, and it looked really ugly. That seems like such a long time ago now, especially after Ericsson worked out the teething problems he had in central midfield alongside Fred. Now, United look genuinely dangerous but not exclusively on the counter-attack. Instead, a lot of their patient build-up play revolved around the incisive runs of their fullbacks. So, it really depended on what Ten Hag wanted the fullbacks to do. Sometimes he wanted them to link up play with their wingers, such as how Malasia linked up with Ericsson in the opening stages of the Liverpool game. Sometimes they were more of a narrow decoy runner into the penalty area as Dalot demonstrated against Leicester. Sometimes they were crossing threats themselves. Dalot's crosses for the Southampton winner was a true testament to how United used all their wingers to overload that right side. And that's all we have so far, at least in terms of regular open play attacking patterns. Lastly, it has to be mentioned that the Bruno Fernandes conundrum still remains 
to be solved simply because he is not the star of the side anymore but he still does a lot of dirty underrated work that drives the flow of the game in terms of whether he wants things more rushed or whether he just prefers a slow chess-like game in the opening stages. Now, for FPL purposes, it's already quite a challenge considering that United's assets were largely devalued from last season bar from Bruno Fernandes. The likes of Rashford, Jadon Sancho and such were dropped to the price range of about 6 to 7 million, which honestly improves their attractiveness on purpose. Now, the question comes down to whether, first and foremost, you foresee United actually delivering against relatively tough opponents up next. City Spurs and Chelsea all go to Old Trafford in the space of five game weeks. So really, if you are buying an attacker, you are looking at players that will thrive on the counter against these sides. Well, bar Spurs, because United are expected to dominate against Spurs. The shrewd manager here would honestly pick up a first sub Man United player just as first bench material simply because we've had so many random postponements that have threatened our game week so far. Between City and Spurs, game weeks 9-12, to 12, United do play Everton and Newcastle which gives the likes of possession players such as Bruno Fernandes as well as the fullbacks to shine. The jury is still out in terms of which United attacking play is their plan A and I suspect this comes down to the mentality of Ten Hag that keeps us guessing rather than the quality of the players. Ten Hag so far has demonstrated that he is a master of game state where he conditions his players to behave differently whether they, the scores are level or whether he is leading a match. For example, the games against Southampton and Leicester were extremely boring after United took the lead, whereas against Liverpool and Arsenal, he deliberately made substitutions to punish those stronger teams on the break. Personal recommendations here are based on individual matchups as well as the potential that I field United players with favourable fixtures in mind. So, City, Spurs and Chelsea will expect me to bench my United assets considering how there are so many potential differentials against them at that price bracket in midfield. In midfield. Now, in defence, things are a lot more interesting because the first gem I would like to highlight is not Diogo Dalo, but Tariq Malasia. This is specifically targeting the Newcastle game at Old Trafford in game week 11 because, well, Newcastle have shown now that Trippier is their double-edged sword and Tari Malasia is in the perfect position to take advantage of Trippier's advanced defending. Now, this also highlights the potential of Jadon Sancho who operates on the left or if Martial starts on uh, sorry, if Martial or Ronaldo start up front, then we can foresee Marcus Rashford also taking advantage on the left side. For the risk taker, if you are keen on fielding your Man United assets against the likes of City, Spurs and Chelsea, then you are more than welcome to pick up differentials in terms of Christian Eriksen. He has demonstrated rare occasions where he picks his spot to break through 
opponent back lines and this is where he really shines especially when United lead 1-0 because Ericsson's adaptability from central midfield to burst through with these incisive runs down the channels really sets his teammates up for big chances. Now, let's talk about how Man United can potentially be broken down. By shedding liabilities and memes such as Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw, United are now a formidable force in defence with Varane partnering with Sadro Martinez. So, the question comes down to whether you feel that beating these players individually is the key to unlocking United, or are there potential areas of strength? particularly when you overload certain areas of the pitch that will tear United's shape apart. Arsenal and Liverpool attempted to do this on the transition where they would draw United all the way up the pitch and then attempt to play through them. If not, they would attempt to do what Brentford and Brighton did, pressing their fullbacks, although not to not much avail last time out. Now the key to attacking United here is first and foremost not to buy defenders because Eric Ten Hag is so unpredictable that we have yet to see him really kick into third or fourth gear. But assuming lesser teams trail United 1-0, then we will see a lot of shelling on United's defence because they tend to drop deep in order to play on the counter. Now. This means that we can take advantage of United's deep positioning in two ways. Number one, we go by dominating the likes of Lisandro Martinez and Rafael Varane, who isn't too tall, at least in terms of aerial dominance, after you add his jump height. Kudos has to be given to Man United for restricting to their last four opponents to very little space. Even the likes of Arsenal and Liverpool were forced to attempt really high quality passes with very little margin for error as they continue to operate with a very little space between their midfielders in particular because their wingers can drop really deep and form a five-man barrier in front of their four-man defense. So there are two ways of trying to create shots against a deep defending side like Man United that concede very little space. Number one, shots from range. Not gonna count Man City here but the likes of Spurs Newcastle and Everton do have quality shooters from range. In terms of FPL relevance, thank goodness, no one really fits the bill here. Although, we have seen Bruno Guimaraes take quite a few pops from range before. But really, we are interested in the Everton game as well as the Chelsea game where United play away from home. And it is there where we can potentially see Iwobi for Everton as well as Kai or Mount for Chelsea really shine. Analyzing a top 6 team like Man United is a difficult task compared to the rest simply because they have a bigger squad, a more sophisticated manager and more crucially, form. Man United are one of the few sides that can win reliably away from home while keeping clean sheets by shutting out Leicester and Southampton already and really that is why their fullbacks are so precious. They've made the most net tackles per game while consistently hovering around the 30 pass mark so really they've got they've been ticking all their boxes in terms of BPS scores. 
This is FPL Teacher, who will review another interesting team up next. Follow and stay tuned.